This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. There's no special announcements or anything, so let's jump right into it. A JRPG game for the Sega Saturn just got an English translation. The game, and I know I'm probably going to kill the pronunciation, but I'm going to try anyway. The name Zama Choiwiji Valhallian just got a full English translation, uh, and it should work um, completely on original hardware as well if you have the ability to run backups or ISOs or anything. So if this was a game that you were interested in, but you don't read Japanese, now you should be able to play it without any issues. Dan Mons just posted a great guide for anybody looking to get started with Groovy Arcade, which is essentially a customized version of Linux that's meant to boot right into an interface that could be used on arcade screens. Uh, The interface is compatible with 240p and 480p, as well as some of the other weird arcade resolutions in between. And the purpose of the project is really to get... Uh, not only just to get everything working on one arcade screen, but to get everything looking pretty decently. Um, anybody that's ever built an arcade, uh, a multi-cade, if you will, using a CRT-based arcade machine will have run into things like, you know, when you change games, the resolutions don't match perfectly, so some parts of the screen are cut off, and uh, there's just a whole bunch of weirdness in there that takes a long time to tweak, and this really takes a lot of the issues out of that process. I really wish this was around when I built my Many, you know, my multi-arcade out of my Mortal Kombat machine six or seven years ago now, uh, I spent a ridiculous amount of time on that, and I think this is better in absolutely every way. Uh, the only thing I do want to add to this is that I do prefer the arcade VGA cards for stuff like this, um, especially if you're not an expert. And every time I mention that, I get bombarded with trolls that say, oh, that's, that's a ripoff. You know, you could get an ATI card for 20 bucks on eBay that does the same thing. Sort of. Not really, though. If you're just looking for a plug-and-play solution that you boot once onto a VGA monitor or flat panel, set it to 15 kilohertz, and then it's permanently set to 15 kilohertz, so just you power it on and immediately it will boot directly into an arcade monitor resolution, you're going to need something like that. Uh, I've heard of other people flashing the BIOS of specific AMD ATI cards. I've never tried that myself, but that might be another permanent solution. But if you just use a card that's compatible with this in 15 kilohertz mode, every time you boot it up, you'll have to have a different monitor connected, send it to 15 kilohertz, and then plug it into your arcade machine. I'm sure there's ways to tweak all of that. I'm sure once you get into the expert settings of Groovy Main, there's tons of things you could do. For me personally, on the arcade machine that I had without the uh, arcade VGA, I used to just power on the computer first. And while it would technically go through post in 480p, then, you know, 640 by 480, once it actually got to Windows and got to the interface, because yes, I built an arcade multi out of Windows. I know people are rolling their eyes, but it worked perfect. Uh, 
and once it got to Windows, it wasn't 15 kilohertz. So I used to just power on the computer, you know, wait a minute, power on the arcade machine, and everything was there waiting. So you certainly don't need an arcade VGA. I just did want to reiterate the convenience of it because you don't really have to worry about any of that. Once it's set up, it just it works. So uh, please check out Dan's very lengthy and very detailed post. Um, I read every word of it, and all it did was get me really excited to try to build one of these. Um, in fact, I, I would love to do like a dual setup where I had an older PC built with this and Mr. in an arcade cabinet just so I could experience both. Uh, and I'm definitely going to be using this guide to get myself started in it. So thanks very much to Dan for putting the time into this. Uh, and I really hope anybody that was interested in doing it gives this a try. Mobius Strip Tech just began selling a Zaxxon Arcade to JAMA adapter for about $20 plus shipping. Um, the purpose of something like this is if you have the game Zaxxon, uh, or I believe a few others that use the same pinout, Congo Bongo, Super Zaxxon, and Future Spy, you're not able to just plug those into a JAMA harness. Uh, the pinouts are different, and there's a different pin count as well. So you could use this pass-through board just to connect it to the arcade board and then connect the JAMA harness to the other end. Um, and while adapters like this might not be super exciting to some people, they are to anybody who's an arcade user who's just looking to use multiple boards on one setup, whether that's one super gun or one arcade setup that they have uh, that they just want to have one wiring harness and plug into everything. Thing. adapters like this are a giant help so uh, i believe voltar already made one of these for the original capcom classics and i think there's a few others like this floating around uh, and i'd really love to see stuff like this because i think while it might be strange with all of the different ways to emulate arcade get growing and getting better every year i think the amount of people that are actually interested in original arcade hardware is also growing every year um, and sometimes it's a little more on the collector's side of things but it's still people that really appreciate original hardware for what it is same type of people that appreciate classic cars and everything else even if they have a, a fancy brand new car sometimes some people just like the old stuff and that's the same way it seems to be with arcade boards and video game consoles so little stuff like this really uh, keeps these things usable in a wider range of platforms so thanks very much to mobius for making it and thanks to everybody else who works on projects like this the Wonderswan Flashmaster is now sold out again, but I still wanted to talk about it just to bring everybody up to speed about the project and exactly what it is if you hadn't heard about it before. Uh, so the WS Flashmaster version 5.1 is a ROM cart for the Bandai Wonderswan that sells for $95 plus shipping and through a piece of software allows you to load up to 16 games on it. Uh, one slot is usually reserved for a menu, so and it's very much recommended that you do it that way. So you end up with the ability to load about 15 games on it, and then once it's loaded, it operates pretty much the same as every other ROM cart. And these things have been selling out like crazy, but I also, another of the many reasons I wanted to talk about it, not just because I thought it was cool, uh, is to also to tell everybody that the company that makes these really is trying to make enough for everybody, but that's always such a gamble because you don't want to buy way too much and then not be able to sell them. Uh, you have to control how long it takes to make and, and 
distribute these things and they really are putting some effort into getting enough out there for everybody so it's not like some of these other sellers that are just blase about it and they'll make five or six when they have time like these are actually being made in real quantities and um, if you just sign up for their mailing list you'll get a notification every time it goes out Um, I don't know if I'll post or tweet about it every time they go up I just figured since the version 5.1 improved on a whole bunch of stuff from the last time that uh, I might as well talk about it now and keep everybody in the loop of it. But overall, it seems like a very cool cart. I haven't tried one, and I've actually still never played a Wonder Swan before. So maybe one day I'll just borrow one from a friend and be able to play you know, both the Wonder Swan and this cart at the same time. But if you're interested, check out the post. It summarizes everything that's going on with the project, uh, and it links you right back to everything you would need to get on the mailing list for when they are up for sale. Steam is now having a sale on the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive Classics Collection with 58 ROMs selling for just $10. So if you were looking for a legal way to purchase a lot of the classic Sega games, this is definitely something to look into. Um, You could just use their interface and emulation that they provide, uh, or you could just rename the files yourself to .md or even run Smoke Monster's EverDrive rename tools over them. And this is a way to 100% legally purchase ROMs from Sega and through Steam, I guess. And I absolutely love stuff like this because I truly believe that if there was some kind of interface for us to be able to legally buy these at a very reasonable price. I would think like a dollar a piece, but 58 for $10 certainly is a good deal. Uh, I really do think that more people would just purchase them this way, um, especially if there was a very easy way to have them implemented onto your ROM carts or onto whatever your emulation device is, because uh, I just think the convenience of it mixed with knowing that you know, you're supporting the developer in some way. You know, a 30-year-old game you know, that you pay for, the money isn't going to the original team that worked on it, probably probably, but at least you're still supporting the retro gaming community in some way. Uh, And I just love that stuff like this is available. So uh, thanks to Dan for posting this. I didn't even realize this was out there. And if you were just looking for a legal way to get a bunch of ROMs, definitely consider this. I just posted a review of the MVSX arcade cabinet, and it was not at all what I had expected, which is a good thing. So I have spoken about it before, and I actually got a bunch of stuff wrong when I talked about it before. Um, And while the review is up, I feel like a lot of people probably skipped watching it because they assumed the same things that I had assumed before I tried it myself. So I'm going to give a very quick rundown of it. Uh, And hopefully that might allow you to decide whether you want to watch the review or get more interest and info on this thing. Uh, So the device itself is a tabletop arcade machine shaped like a Neo Geo MVS that sells for $450 or $500 if you want the stand with it. And the machine itself comes completely assembled. It's not like the arcade one-ups. You just take this thing out of the box, plug it in, and it works. It comes with 50 games. So this is an official licensed way to buy 50 Neo Geo games for 450 So 450 is a lot of money. 50 Neo Geo games for 450 is not a lot of money. So it really just depends on, you know, on your thoughts on if you want something official or not. You know, how does that, how much does that factor into your decision? And of course, there's always the people that say, I could emulate these on my computer for free. And there's also the other group that says, why would you want this when you could buy a bunch of original games and original hardware? There really is a solution for everybody. Uh, but overall, um, it performed pretty well. The screen that it comes with, when you leave it in pixel per Perfect mode, which is the mode that it ships default with. It looks great. The aspect ratio is correct. You get a bit of a black border around the whole image, but 
I don't think that's a big deal in this environment, especially because you don't really have to worry about burn-in because that's pretty much the only way you're going to be using it. Um, and it's got a six-button layout, which I didn't really understand at first, and I think it may have even mocked, uh, but I kind of knew going into this that I was going to need somebody with some hardcore arcade experience to walk me through it and to really help with the review. So I called my friend Beaston, and that was absolutely a smart move on my part. So glad uh, that he had the time to do this with me because uh, he added a lot of perspective on this that I think unless you were a hardcore arcade gamer, you might not have even remembered. And one of the things that he reminded me of that I totally forgot is this six-button layout, which is completely configurable, is allows you to have every official Neo Geo configuration. So whether it's the standard four-button, whether you want the box-style layout, like if you prefer the Neo Geo CD controller, and you could even do it where the bottom three are A, B, and C, and top right is D, so it's almost like a reverse Neo Geo layout. So at first, I kind of was like, six buttons, no Neo Geo cabinet has six buttons. That's silly. I was wrong. This allows the configuration of, of whatever you would like um, on either side. It is a two-player arcade cab, but unless you're very small, it's, you're, this is pretty much a single-player uh, environment, in my opinion. I'm a big dude, so you know I'm not fitting somebody else next to me, and you sure as hell aren't going to fit Beast and I next to each other. <laughs> um, there is no way to play external controllers on it, which was one of the complaints I had. I really thought it would have been a cool thing. Uh, so if you're playing it by yourself, you have one stick, and then if you're sitting back, you could just plug in whatever controllers you have to play with friends. And there's no HDMI out, which kind of sucks, because I think this would have been awesome for people who wanted to stream Neo Geo games. But overall, I, I really liked it and the thing that impressed me most by far was the lag um, it averaged between one and a half and two and a half frames of lag and in my testing which wasn't super extensive I didn't spend days with this uh, but it never varied more than that one frame so there's two factors when you're talking about lag how much lag is definitely a factor, um, but the variability of it is by far the most important thing. So if generally speaking, even if you're a hardcore player with all of your moves and your muscle memory, if something has exactly two frames of lag, or like the Frame Meister, like exactly 1.3 frames or whatever it is, and it doesn't vary that much, your body could just compensate. Whereas something like the Genesis Mini that swings between three and seven frames of lag uh, is a totally different story it's impossible to program uh, or to, uh, to program your brain to compensate because it's never the same thing twice so the fact that this had a non-variable uh, more than one frame so only varying one frame i guess um, is a big deal because even beast was able to do his special moves um, and didn't once he adjusted to the latency which only took him about five minutes uh, it didn't seem to bother him at all which is really a, a telling sign of if this could actually be taken seriously or if it's just a toy like so many of these other emulation boxes. And he seemed to feel that he could absolutely game on this thing and have a good experience. His only complaint really was the stick. Uh, you could change those out, and that's also something that is going to be a different preference for everybody. Um, I, I'm not as picky about what sticks I use. I also do prefer Sanwa, but uh, I didn't quite like this one either. But you know, there's a lot of people out there that would just enjoy it exactly as is. So that's really the only other uh, gripe about it. I forgot to test the uh, audio emulation lag, but it didn't seem to be too bad on this. The audio wasn't perfect, but it could just be the speakers. 
But overall, for something that you just open the box, take the arcade machine out, and start playing, um, I, I don't really have any complaints. The only real complaint, like if I had to pick one negative, is I think if it was cheaper, it would sell a lot more. So once again, you got to put that into perspective. Do you want an official DOGO solution that performs really impressive, especially for software emulation, uh, or do you just want to make your own solution? That really should be kind of the deciding factor in this. But uh, if you do decide to buy it, it, it definitely does not suck. It should be a good time, uh, and you shouldn't have any issues with it other than it doesn't have any of the extra features I just mentioned, and you might end up switching the arcade stick on it. So uh, check out the review, please, if you're slightly interested. And once again, thanks very much to Beast for coming over on short notice and taking the time to do this full run-through and analysis with me. A complete HD pack was just released for the original Legend of Zelda game. They're calling it the Legend of Zelda Remastered, and this is only playable through emulation. However, it replaces all of the graphics and sound, as well as tweaks the game a little bit, with new updated graphics that are higher resolution. Um, if you're a fan of the original game and you like software emulation, this is definitely something worth trying out just because it looks really cool and it's the same exact game that you know most people probably have played before and loved just with a, a very cool new skin over it. It almost looks like um, what Zelda All-Stars would have been like if they had made one of those, just like the Mario All-Stars games. Um, and to be honest, while I do almost always appreciate playing on original hardware, stuff like this it really makes me appreciate software emulation, and I hope that more devices are able to implement ways to use stuff like this. So right now, of course, you could fire up your PC, download the correct emulator, and play it that way, which for many people, that's perfectly fine. But I would love a more original feeling experience. And I would really love to see something like this implemented implemented into the Polymega or any other um, any other software emulation device that could use original cartridges. Uh, I mean, imagine what it would be like to plug in your original gold Zelda cartridge and then just click on you know download the HD pack and be able to play that right on your flat panel. I think that would be awesome. Now I don't know of any device out there. I don't think the Polymega is set up for that yet. Uh, or if it ever would be, the Retron 5 sure as heck can't handle anything like that. So hopefully at some point in the future, there'll be some kind of software emulation pack that could allow you to take advantage of all of the very cool stuff that software emulation has to offer, this stuff being one of them. So definitely check it out if you're interested. Uh, I'm certainly going to try to find time to. Laserbear.net just started selling their 3D printed adapter for the Sega Saturn to use with the Mode Optical Drive emulator. And this bracket is similar to other ones that Greg's made, where it, uh, it holds everything in place, but it also breaks out an SD card adapter to the front. So when you open up the lid of your Saturn, you have a clean looking solution that looks pretty factory in my opinion, and it gives you access direct to an SD card right there. And this isn't just an aesthetic upgrade, this actually is functional as well. For a very common situation in which maybe you purchased a hard drive or an SSD for your mode, and you loaded up your ROM pack, you're good to go there, but you still need ways to get firmware updates. So rather than disassemble the entire Saturn, pulling out the hard drive and going that way, you could just uh, stick an SD card right in the top and do your firmware update like that. So it's, uh, it's something that you should definitely consider if you've purchased a mode for the Saturn, but there are different models that match the different Saturn layouts, which is obviously no fault of Greg's. There's just so many different versions of the Sega Saturn. So, and it's not just the Model 1 and Model 2. 
Um, each one has a different set of internal layouts. So check the post uh, and check Greg's Twitter thread, which is obviously linked into the post uh, that really determine that shows you which bracket you're going to need to purchase for your Saturn, um, and then just pick them up right there from the Laser Bear shop. So very glad to see these things being made. Very often they're they're aesthetic improvements, which I definitely like, but this one seems to be functional as well. And same with the Dreamcast version. I'm not sure if that one's been officially released yet or not but if not it should be coming very soon after this saturn one so check it out if you're interested software developer house m2 has just announced that they'll be including a brand new game in their aleste collection for the switch and ps4 and the aleste collection is a set of games that are all the aleste and power strike games for the mark 3 master system and game gear and the brand new game is GGLSA 3, which would be the third in the series for the Game Gear itself. And while I think this is absolutely awesome, uh, they did tease a box art of what it would look like if they did sell a boxed version, but they aren't actually going to be selling a boxed version with a real Game Gear cart, as far as I know. Now, this news, I guess, is a week or two old, but I couldn't get solid info on it. I had to enlist the help of Kid Shoryuken, so thank you very much to Jim for taking the time to look into this for me. But it seems that that picture that M2 posted that was confusing a lot of people was just a mock-up of what the box might look like. So... There's a few different ways to get the game. You could either purchase just the version of uh, the Aleste collection for the Switch or the PS4, which at the moment will only be sold in Japan. I have the Amazon.co.jp links down there for anybody that's interested. Um, and there's also going to be special editions that come with either the PS4 or Switch version, as well as a version of the Game Boy Micro. That's white in color and comes with all of the Aleste games, including this one. I believe all of the Aleste games. So while I'm not really impressed with the micro itself, I think that's a pretty neat collector's edition type of thing to do. Um, you know, you'd probably only be playing it on your consoles, but you do have this fun little trinket with the new game on there. So this is the first time I might actually be interested in looking into this. I don't think I would. Um, I do hope that there is a way of, of playing this on an original Game Gear. Um, if the ROM is compatible, I really would have loved to have seen like a limited run version of just the Game Gear game, because I think many of us would really be thrilled to buy a brand new Game Gear game. Uh, you know, both both buying a new game and uh, in the fact that it's sealed and new, like doubly awesome. So maybe enterprising members of the retro gaming scene would take advantage of this because I am not a lawyer and I would never be uh, arrogant enough to try and give legal advice. But it would it is my complete guess that if you were to do something like buy a bunch of just the game only versions, so the Switch card and the PS4 disc, have them imported to wherever you are, leave them sealed and then also take the dumped ROM and make completed in-box Game Gear versions of this based on the artwork that M2 has posted. I don't think that's illegal because you're legally buying the game and you'd be reselling the sealed version of the game along with a boxed Game Gear version of the game. So once again, I am not a lawyer. Please, you know, but if you're going to do any of that, please understand that that could still be illegal. But I sure as heck would feel comfortable buying something like that because you're still supporting M2 because you're still buying the game that they're releasing and you're getting a version that might be able to be played on original Game Gear hardware. So... 
Uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that somebody out there will figure this stuff out. Uh, and I really wish that M2 had, had gone the distance and made that available as well. Even if it was only a special edition where you had to buy the PS4 version as well or something like that. I don't know. I just think a lot of retro fans would have really appreciated that. But who knows? I could be dead wrong on this one. I just hope to see that end up on a real Game Gear at some point. The RetroTink 2X Mini just got a firmware update that, depending on your setup, might be a big deal to you or might not at all. Um, the changes are the LEDs are now going to be dimmer overall, which, depending on where the Mini is placed and how bright your room is, that could be a huge deal or not matter at all to you. Um, there's improved detection stability. Uh, I believe that means when it's detecting between S-Video or Composite, it probably does that a bit quicker. Um, it mutes the video output after 30 seconds of no valid input detected, which is an awesome feature for anybody that has an automatic HDMI setup. Um, some TVs automatically switch to whatever input is getting signal. A lot of HDMI switches do that. So if you're in that scenario, that's another pretty big deal. Um, and in the idle state with no input, there's just a solid green light instead of the light cycling between yellow and white, which did distract the hell out of me in my testing for this. So um, I'm not a fan of bright LEDs on anything. I don't put them on any of my consoles, but that is 100% preference. There's no right or wrong way to do any of this stuff. Um, and I, I do think that turning the brightness down was a, a smart idea overall because it could get really distracting in dark rooms. So thanks very much to Mike for posting the update. Um, updating the RetroTink line of product, the newer RetroTink line of products, the Mini, um, the Pro, the M, and the SCART are super, super easy. You know, download two pieces of software, install them, plug it in while holding down a button, and then run the update. It's about as easy as imaginable. So, um, you know, thanks to Mike for making these firmware updates available and for making them very easy to implement rather than require external stuff to plug in. Well, that's it for this week. As always, thanks so much to everybody that watches and listens and plays nicely in the comments. And especially thank you to everybody that supports on places like Floatplane and Patreon, because without your support, none of these videos or any of the research I'm involved in would ever be possible. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you next week.